0: Well, I want to welcome you as we're turning to 1 Kings for our reading this morning, 1 Kings 17. I want to welcome you to Mill Springs, of course, but also to Bible Reading Sunday, which is what we call the Sunday following Christmas here. And the reason that we do that is because we want to use this Sunday every year to... Try to encourage and support and undergird Bible reading. We are, uh, as let's say the evangelical church in America, weak because so few read the Bible. And uh, I was looking at some research, and I may actually bring this next Sunday or here in the next few Sundays, but I was looking at some research. And it was shocking to see the number of pastors in uh, the country. These are supposed to be the shepherds, the spiritual uh, guides, the defenders of a flock who themselves lack a biblical worldview. And uh, it was uh, really a syncretistic um, worldview. Take a little bit of Christianity and mix in a little bit of positive thinking and mix in a little of uh, this philosophy and this one. And it just is, it explains a whole lot. So we're we're determined to preach the Bible, teach the Bible, try to unfold its meaning, show how it applies to where we're living. That's what we're about here. And that's the reason why every Sunday we devote time to reading the Scriptures and hearing them. So to that end, let me just say before we look at the passage together, We have, this year, two Bible reading plans that we are making available to help us read the Bible daily in 2024. Those plans are going to be on the table as you go out. We've set up a table there in the middle. You'll have to go around the table in order to get out so so you can't miss it. We want you to take one or both of these, if you would like, one uh, is, a, is a, and actually I have it right here, it's this piece of paper. I've cut it down to size, uh, but anyhow, w- this has no dates on it, and you can go at your own pace. Sometimes we fall behind, and we get further behind, then we feel hopelessly behind, and we give up. So this is designed to try to help avoid that. That's the one. then the other is one that we have used in the past that I'm quite fond of. This is a daily Bible reading plan. And you you can get your copy back there. It actually is designed for four chapters of the Bible to be read daily. You could, for example, read two in the morning before you go off to work. And before you turn out the light at night, read two more chapters. It will walk you through the entire Bible, as will this one, if you want to do this one at your own pace. I, I really don't care. Just however you do it, I just need you in the Bible. I'm going to be in the Bible we know that its message is life-changing, it's the, it's the Word of God, so we want you to have these. So make sure that you pick up your copy on your way out. Now let's look at First Kings chapter 17. I have put a note in the bulletin that for 2024 I'm going to preach from, we have so many wonderful Bible translations that are available today. I'm going to preach from the Christian Standard Bible for this year and we'll see uh, how, how we do with that. It's just a marvelous, crystal clear translation, and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to pick up a copy, you may feel free to do so. If you want to hop on your electronic device, uh, certainly feel free to do that. Now let's look at First Kings, and I'm going to read the 17th chapter, and then we're going to go to the New Testament and read only one verse for our New Testament reading. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers, uh, the Septuagint reads from Tishbe of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Leave here, turn eastward and hide at the Wadi Kareth, where it enters the Jordan." You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the wadi Kareth where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the wadi. After a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up. Go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward you may make some for yourself and your son, but this is what the Lord of God, Lord God of Israel says, the flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken. Through Elijah. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, Man of God, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? But Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah, and the boy's life came into him again, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room into the house, and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Now over to Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. On this Bible reading Sunday, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is why we teach and preach the scriptures. Because your word is living and effective, it is sharper than the sharpest sword man can forge. And when it is preached and your spirit takes your word, it penetrates all the way down to the deepest parts of our lives. And it reveals to us the folly that we have been believing and shows us the truth. And when we see the truth of Jesus Christ everything changes. So, Lord, we pray for that mighty miracle of the Holy Spirit that he would move in our hearts and our lives to show us more and more of Jesus and that in this new year our lives would be devoted wholly and entirely to the coming King. We thank you so much that our King is a King of great forgiveness. That when we fail, he doesn't cast us away. Lord, we confess to you our failures. We've had so many failures in our lives this year. And not just this year, but this week. And not but just this week, but today. Already. How we need a Savior who is sympathetic and who is full of Grace. So, Lord, we confess to you our sin and our need of Jesus and ask that you would help us now in the joy of forgiveness to live for him with all of our hearts in the new year. Father, we pray for each other. We know that there are some in the room today with us that are hurting, that have suffered our suffering. So, Lord, we pray that you would be tender towards them and use us to encourage Thank you so much for these wonderful songs that we're getting to sing. Thank you for the joy that Jesus brings to the world. We pray in his holy and wonderful name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns and fast the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as for as a curse is found He rules the world with truth and grace And makes the nation prove The glories of His righteousness And wonders of His love And wonders of His love. And wonders, wonders of His love. Amen.
0: Heavenly Father, would you please bless this sermon to the good of our hearts. Lord, we want to live a life that's pleasing in your sight. We want to be an open book, nothing to hide, to walk in your truth. And as my brother prayed a moment ago, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor, even the difficult neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So please help us now. We ask, help us to preach and help us to hear in Jesus' name. I can think of no better way to begin this Bible reading Sunday sermon than to point to some precious evidence of devoted Bible reading. This is my father-in-law's Bibles that he left behind, and I will treasure them all, all of my days. He never imagined that we'd be holding up his Bibles. It was a privilege on uh, Thursday night or Wednesday night to uh, preach his funeral uh, from one of his Bibles. If Don Dawson was anything, and he was a lot of wonderful things, but if he was anything, he was a voracious reader and student of the Bible. Don didn't have any formal training. Uh, He had a limited education. And he he used to talk about all the time how he struggled even in the education that he had. But none of that stopped him from getting a Bible he could read and understand and, and devoting himself to it. And that's exactly what he did. He embodied, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. And all I can say is, Aim at the same in 2024. My title on this Bible reading Sunday is Assurance in the Day of Distress. Assurance in the Day of Distress. And my text is Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. Matthew 11, 1 through 6. This 11th chapter of Matthew contains various reactions to To Jesus, the King Messiah, beginning with reaction of John the Baptist. Let's read together. Matthew 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Now, when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, He sent a message through his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to them Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. As we consider assurance in the day of distress, I want us to look at these verses. By examining first the situation, then the confusion, then the confirmation, and finally the beatitude. All of these are in these verses. Let's look first at. The situation. Jesus has just sent his twelve disciples on a special short term mission. If you back up to chapter ten, verse one, back up to ten one, you'll see summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles first. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel As you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received, freely give, and so forth. Now in chapter 11, we read that Jesus moves on, as verse 1 says, to teach and preach in their towns, in the cities near Capernaum or in Galilee. May I pause just for a moment simply to point out that if our Lord puts a premium on teaching and preaching, as clearly He does in this passage, as His disciples, as His learners, you and I must do the same, right? If if we're following the Master, and the Master is preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching you see he moved he had the the power of miracles right but what is he doing he's moving from their towns he's preaching and teaching in this town he goes and preaches and teaches in this town if that's our master you and I cannot be his followers and slight teaching and preaching we can't faithfully follow Christ and at the same time Slight teaching and preaching. That's like standing in your laundry basket and then carrying yourself upstairs. You can't do it. You can't follow Jesus faithfully and not read his word. And there's a reason why in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read this to you. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. You see, we'll know our Bibles. When there's preaching and teaching this new year going on at Mill Springs, unless you are truly prevented by illness or by age or by some other legitimate obstacle in God's sight, I am begging you, don't let your seat be empty. We need you here. You need you here. No one can take your place. Scripture says, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day, the the coming of Christ approaching. I promise you in 2024, you and I are going to need the Word of God and we're going to need each other. It's an old story. I know you've heard this story before, but it's a wonderful illustration of the man who stopped attending, stopped being a part of the body life of the church, which he was a member. So the preacher went to visit him and it was a cold dreary night the man welcomes the preacher inside and the two men in silence they both know why the preacher is there go and take their seat in front of the fireplace and sit there a moment without a word the preacher takes the tongs and he reaches into the fire and pulls out one of the glowing embers and sets it apart from all the others on the hearth and the two sit and watch as that ember slowly Begins to fade. And then the preacher took the, the tongs, put the ember back in among the other embers, and it roared to life again. Point given, point taken. We're going to need each other this year. We're rebuilding a church, by the way, under God, right? And it's going to take us all. Besides, you do realize that a day of distress is coming. In some shape, form, or fashion, it's coming. What are you going to do when it comes and you're by yourself? There's nobody. You see, you weren't designed to be in that shape. That's why God takes His people and He puts them together. And then when they're together, he says, now I'm going to feed you my word. And in the presence of one another, in the presence of God with his word, strength comes for the day of distress. You see? This was John the Baptist's situation. Verse 2 says that he was in prison. He was in the fortress east of the Dead Sea built by Herod the Great, called Macherus. And the Bible tells us why John was in prison. If you'll hold your place and look ahead, this is a little strange, but if you'll turn over to chapter 14, verse 3, you see why John was there in this prison. Matthew 14, 3. For Herod had arrested John chained him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her. So what had happened was Herod Antipas had abandoned his wife to live in adultery and incest with his brother's wife. And John had dared to call him on it. As the prophet of God, John openly condemns Herod's immorality. And for that, Herod has John thrown into prison. Somebody said the ungodly like true religion in the same way they like lions, either dead or behind bars. For they fear it when it breaks loose and begins to challenge their consciences Which is why, you see, brothers and sisters, we need to prepare for a day of distress. As I'm looking out over 2024, I'm saying, okay, I know that God is calling us to be faithful. I know he's calling this pulpit to be faithful with his word, to proclaim the truth as fearlessly as we can proclaim it in the manner of John the Baptist. Not saying, well, I realize there's some in the culture that won't like this, so I'm not going to say anything. That kind of cowardice is the reason why we're seeing the disintegration of a nation. Because the pulpits have fallen silent. There is no guidance. And so I'm looking out and I'm seeing what's coming and I know that we're going to have to prepare for days of distress because maintaining godliness and standing for truth inevitably challenges the consciences of the ungodly. They hate it. I saw last week, and I happened to bookmark it, a trans activist who was calling for killing transphobes. He said, Can we just start stabbing transphobes at this point? Say something transphobic, you get stabbed. You see? Don't challenge my conscience. We are reading our Bibles, aren't we? Second Timothy 3.12 All who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? John 3.20 For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it. So that his deeds may not be exposed. Do you see? So, when you tell the truth, the dwellers in darkness hate the truth. Why? Because you're shining a light on their wickedness. Now, listen, here's the thing when God shines his light of truth on your wickedness, what happens? Oh, when the Spirit of God moves, all of a sudden you say, I see the light. And that's what sets you free from the darkness. So that's the situation. Second, the confusion. Now look at verse 2. When John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else John's own day of distress finds him where in prison right he's languishing in prison and he's he's got these questions and they're just gnawing at him. They're eating away because what he's hearing of Jesus isn't fitting what he's expecting of Jesus. He's puzzled. He's troubled. So John finds a way to get a message to Jesus by his disciples, some of John's own disciples. He said, Go and ask Jesus Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? John's question is is this. Are you the Christ? Because by asking are you the one who is to come, that's a messianic title. Now what on earth would compel John to ask such a thing when earlier... (laughs) He had said this. Go over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 29. Listen to this. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, The one you see the Spirit descending and resting on... He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now back over in Matthew. That, that happened earlier. How can John possibly be entertaining doubts? Are you the one who's to come, or should we expect someone else? Look back over at chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. John certainly had clarity in the Gospel of John. Listen to what he says now in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, we read about John the Baptist, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. I drop down to verse 5. Then people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance, and don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He he himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff He will burn with fire that never goes out. John is wondering, where is this? You see, everything John had prophesied was true. All of this was true, yet none of it has come to pass yet. John had prophesied fiery judgment, right? But Jesus had yet to bring fiery judgment. John prophesied the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus had yet to bring the baptism of the Spirit. That would happen later on the day of Pentecost. John would never live to see that. Jesus isn't fitting John's ideas of what the Messiah would do. So he sends some of his disciples to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Can a true disciple of Jesus be confused? yes. Oh, yes. True disciples can be confused. They can be misunderstood. They can misunderstand. John is confused. He's puzzled that things aren't going according to his expectations. So he asks Jesus to give him truth. Phillips explains very helpfully here, I think, There's only one mind John wants opened to him on this issue. And he will accept the answer as final. He's asking Jesus to help him see how to think about this. He's asking Jesus for truth. He's saying, he's not saying to Jesus, What do you think, so I can listen and make up my own mind. John is asking, now listen, John is asking, What should I think, Jesus, so I can have your mind? How should I think so that my mind reflects your mind? He's asking Jesus to give him truth, you see? He's asking Jesus to give him help. Brothers and sisters, this is how you go to Jesus in a day of distress. With your Bible in your hand, and you say to him, Teach me, Lord, what I should think, so I can have your mind help my mind reflect your mind. Do you see? The situation, the confusion, third, the confirmation. Verse 4. Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, predicted of the Messiah, Isaiah 35.5. The lame walk, predicted of the Messiah, Isaiah 35.6. Those with leprosy are cleansed. Predicted of the Messiah, Isaiah 53 4. The deaf here. Predicted of the Messiah, Isaiah 35 5. The dead are raised. Exceeding the prophecies, but see Isaiah 26 19. And the poor, often overlooked, often neglected, despised the poor. The poor are told the gospel in fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61.1. Do you get what Jesus, in effect, is saying to John? He's saying to him, John, remember your Bible. Remember your Bible, John. You see, John had these Scriptures. These are just snippets of prophecies and Jesus is qu- quoting these snippets. And John had them. And he had these scriptures for his day of distress. Scriptures like Psalm 31.7, I will rejoice and be glad in your faithful love because you have seen my affliction. You know the troubles of my soul. See, John, you're not alone in that prison. Psalm 33, 20 and 21, we wait for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. John, the Lord sees you. Your Father in heaven calls you to trust in His holy name. Proverbs 10, 28 to 29, the hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable, but destruction awaits evildoers. See, confirmation in God's own word that God is with His servant John in this prison and that Jesus is indeed the one who is to come, the Christ. Brothers and sisters, let me just say in times of confusion, Look to your Bible. When the kids were small, they they used to watch a cartoon. I can't remember what it was called, but it was Denise might remember. Where they would do the noodle dance. Do you all know that one? Noodle. Use your noodle. Anybody know it? P B and J Otter. You know, do the noodle dance. You know, use your noodle. See, we, we get in these situations of distress, these days of distress. And we try to use our noodle and figure them out, you know. We just get more and more confused and stressed. And what Jesus is telling John is, remember your Bible. All these things that I'm doing were prophesied. Where? In the Old Testament Scriptures. Plus, you have all kinds of comfort in the Psalms, in the Proverbs. The situation, the confusion, the confirmation, and last, the beatitude. Having confirmed his Messiahship, John, uh, Jesus now gives John a gentle, loving caution, a warning. In the form of a beatitude, John's own beatitude. Listen to this. Blessed is the one who isn't offended by me, who exhibits total trust in me, even in the face of what seems like delay. Lord, why aren't you moving faster? Why aren't you bringing the judgment on the wickedness? On the evil of a king who has thrown me in prison. Glorify your name, God. In the destruction of the wicked. Ellicott points out how tenderly our Lord deals with the impatience. Which John's question implies. A warning is needed, but it's given in the form of a beatitude. There's a verse um, in James, this one. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The situation, the confusion, the confirmation, and the beatitude. now why this sermon for this bible reading sunday because bible reading is the pathway to assurance in the day of distress you got to read your bible it's assurance that god is in control It's assurance that he knows what he's doing in your distress. It's assurance that he loves you very much. Because you see, you'll use your noodle and you'll say, "Well, he must not love me." Because look, it's what's happened. And he must not be in control, because look what's happened. He must not have a plan because look what's happened. No. Nothing there but confusion and anxiety. Nothing. But when you use God's Word, the Lord is in control. He does know what He's doing. He does love me. He is with me. Reading, knowing, remembering, and then resting in what your Bible says. That's the pathway to assurance when a day of distress suddenly strikes, when there's a layoff at work, when there's a family member in trouble, when there's a diagnosis from the doctor. When there's a divorce in the making. When there's a fire and everything's lost. When there's a theft and all the money's gone. When there's a wreck and somebody's hurt. And when on Christmas Eve. There's a death in your family. Reading. Knowing, remembering, resting in what your Bible says. That's the pathway to assurance in the day of distress. It's praying with an open Bible. Am I making sense? Praying with an open Bible. Lord, teach me what I should think in this distress. So I can have your mind. Please, Lord, help my mind to reflect your mind. This is a reason why every year I've been here since twenty thirteen minus one. But every year that I've been here in this pulpit, I have had a Bible reading Sunday and handed out Bible reading plans to try to help us read the Bible. The reason I keep doing this is because I know, as we've experienced this year and Only the Lord knows, right? What's ahead. But I know that days of distress suddenly befall us. They just do in this life. It's a fallen world, isn't it? But I also know that reading the Bible will have us ready for when that day of distress falls. If I've read my Bible and I've been reinforcing my soul with its truth when it happens... I have it. It's there. But if I've neglected my Bible and I've just been watching Judge Judy and staying at home when, I, when our people are gathering, we're gathering for the Word of God and I'm just watching Judge Judy or Wheel of Fortune or I'm doing this or that. And then the day of distress falls and i got nothing. No syndicated TV show is going to help me. I've got nothing. But my Bible helped me. So, if we're not already, let's get to work on making our Bibles look like this in 2024. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the truth. Thank You for the reminder in the life of John the Baptist. What a mighty servant he was of Yours. And thank You, Lord, that we can learn from Him. We can hear our Master say, Hold firm, John. Don't be shaken. I pray for any brother or sister here today or a guest with us that may be going through a fiery trial right now. Oh, Lord, I pray that You'd help them to flee to Your Word. And be guided by what you say, not by what they think. Please, Lord, for the gift of that grace, we pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen.